Good to see all of you. Good afternoon. I, I pray that your hearts are filled with uh, joy and excitement this afternoon. <clears throat> I know that uh, some of us uh, are not really 100% in, in with our health and situations in life. Um, I'm standing here uh, right now, but I was in bed all day yesterday and the previous day. So you remember that I got sick a week ago, uh, two weeks ago, and I got sick again. I, we just arrived from Boston this, just a few hours ago. And, and yeah, it's really, it was a struggle. I enjoyed our first few days there, but the last few days, uh, I was in bed. I know it was good. The hotel was really good. So I can just order, I can just order food because I cannot get, get out. <laughs> so it was expensive, but yeah. But yeah, I can order food. And the food there is good. Uh, lots of good seafood. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I experienced, uh, came to know, and I, I, I know for those of you who grew up in this country, you know, there's a lot of history in that area of the country, right? Um, the, uh, uh, Massachusetts and all the New England states. I thought New England was a state. It, it's not a state, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a group of states. I didn't know that, so uh, sorry for my lack of historical knowledge. Uh, and there's a lot of history in that, in that place. And we, we were able to walk the, 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 tra the Freedom Trail, I guess. Freedom Trail. You know, look at uh, the places uh, related to uh, many of the founding fathers, uh, especially Paul uh, Revere, I believe. Yeah. And we went to the USS Constitution as well. It's very nice. Uh, but one of the things, uh, you know, you find out about history, you know about history is that the goal, of, the goal of historians, and even for us today, when you think of history, you really want to know what exactly happened, right? We cannot just make up and say, okay, this is what happened, or maybe this is the story, or maybe, maybe this is really what Paul Revere did, or the the Tea Party. Uh, one of the interesting stories I heard about that area. Did you know that there were people who died a long time ago because of molasses? Uh, there was this big tank of molasses. I don't know. Our, our, our tour guide uh, explained that it was because what's strange is we ended up going to two different kinds of tour, you know, those hop on, hop on, off tour. The first tour guide gave us, gave us an explanation. There was a chemical reaction inside that big, big tank and it exploded. But the second tour guide had a different explanation. And Rella was saying, okay, which, was it? which one is correct here? <laughs> and there, sometimes they talk about numbers, like there are 21 people who died, the other one said 23. I don't know which one is saying the truth. But uh, it was just, you know, it was sad that a lot of people died and the, the city was flooded with molasses, but, but I can't imagine somebody died because of molasses. Like in your gravestone, he died because he was... Uh, Drowned by molasses, you know, sugar. Uh, <laughs> you're drowned by, drowned by sugar. But, but, but one of the things you find out about history is that you want to really know what exactly happened. You cannot just imagine what history is, right? And there's a, <coughs> there's a problem in our culture today. They call it historical revisionism, where people, they try to rewrite history to come up with a new story about history. But as Christians, we don't buy into that, right? I hope, I hope all of us believers, are, we really want to know what exactly happened. We don't want to rewrite history. 
for the sake of just, you know, like for instance, right now there are people that are destroying all those, all those, uh, uh, what do you call this, uh, monuments because they were slave, uh, you know, slave, uh, you know, owners. There's no point of doing that. If, if you're going to destroy all the slave owner monuments, you have to destroy every monument in the world because slavery is very common back in the, since ancient times. It's been common. The entire Roman Empire was sustained by slavery. More than half of the Roman Empire were slaves. That population of the Roman Empire. So since the beginning of history, it's, it was that way. So we don't really have to rewrite history. It was bad, but let's accept it that it was bad. <laughs> it was that way. And you know, it, when it comes to the Bible, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I, uh, I, uh, I came across a few people in my life, even recently, you know, I would talk to them about the gospel. I would share to them the word of God. And usually they would respond to me and say, Al, I think that's, that's just your interpretation. Yan yung pag-iisip mo, or that's what you think. But that's not what, that's not what I think. You know, that's not my interpretation. You have your interpretation, and I have my own interpretation. Now, is that a valid statement when, you come to, when it comes to the Bible? Do you think it's right to say that I have my own interpretation, and you have your own interpretation? It's not. That's one of the most dangerous things when it comes to the Bible, when you begin to try to interpret it uh, according to what you think. Now, the goal of pastors, the goal of each of you, every time you read the Bible, the goal is to find that one interpretation. Because the Bible, by the way, has only one interpretation. When you read a verse in the Bible, there's only one interpretation that, on, that, on that passage. Because, you know, when Paul wrote, his letters, when Paul, when Jesus or John wrote the Gospel of John, there was a reason why he wrote that, right? There was a person that he was written to, and there was a motivation on why he wrote it. Like when Paul said, uh, you know, his, like what the, the, the prayer we just read earlier when he, when he wrote to the Ephesian church, when, when he wrote that prayer, it was very specific that Paul, first of all, knew what was going on in the Ephesian church, he knew that there was some problem in there. That's why he sent Timothy to, you know, go to the Ephesian church because I want you to, uh, I want you to deal with whatever issues that the Ephesian church was going through. And so he wrote this prayer telling, you know, God, may God grant you this wisdom, knowledge that comes from God, God comes from Christ. So, so when Paul wrote that, that prayer to the Ephesian church, Ephesian church there was a specific reason why he wrote that. And it was specific to a specific, it was very specific to a church. That's why, that's why we as, as Christians, when we read the books of the Bible, like for instance, the letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, those things. You need to understand that those were written to a specific group of people. It wasn't originally written to you. That's, we need to keep that in mind that this was not originally written for you. It was written to them, written in a time that's long time ago, 2,000, almost 2,000 years ago. And when Paul wrote the Ephesians letter, he didn't think about, oh, I'm going to write this letter to, to Ephesians, but I'm going to write this also for Ariel or for Randy or for Ning. Ning is here. Welcome, Ning. You know, when he wrote, when he wrote these letters in, the, in Ephesus, the letter to Ephesus, 
it was written to a specific people in a specific uh, time frame. And so for us as Bible teachers or pastors, and even you when you study the Bible, that is what you want to discover. What was Paul's in reason why he wrote this? What is the meaning behind what he wrote? And why did he write to the Ephesians church? What was the situation there? Because that's how you're going to figure out the meaning of that passage, the interpretation of that passage. Because there's only one reason why, usually there's only one reason why Paul wrote that. So, so interpretation-wise, there's only one. And the goal of Bible study is to discover what it is, is to figure out what is that interpretation. But when it comes to application, there's a lot, right? You can use the message of the Bible for many, many situations in life. Like, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. You know, that could be used in various situations in life, right? In various applications. So, and, and one of the person I talked to recently, you know, I tried to explain to him the gospel. But, but sadly, he said that, you know, he told me that that's your interpretation. I, I, don't, I don't like to be, he said, I don't want to be forced to believe in something that I, I disagree. Because it's just your, interp he thinks that it's just my interpretation. And that's not his interpretation, so he would not accept my interpretation. <laughs> but the gospel, it's not something I made up. That's not my interpretation, in fact. It is what the, what the Bible says, right? And, and somehow some people, they just end up trying to accept what they like in the Bible, certain things in the Bible, but reject other things in the Bible. You know, some people do that. If there are good things in the Bible that feels good to them, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to accept this. Talks about love, okay. Talks about God blessing me, okay. Talk, talks about God uh, fulfilling my my desires, my needs, we claim those verses. Hey, Lord, Lord, I claim this verse. Uh, God grant the desires, uh, you know, there's a verse that says that the Lord grants the desires of our hearts. Um, and, and it talks about also that we can do all things. And it's a very, one of those verses we use commonly. But when it comes to talking about God's, talking about God's judgment, talking about God's, you know, hatred towards sin, when we talk about God, God, uh, God's holiness and righteousness, people say, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to listen to that. But here's the truth. You have to accept God for everything he is. You cannot just speak love and reject his judgment. You cannot just speak his goodness but reject his justice. Because God is all this. And, and you know, that's true for our Christian life. You know, there are things in our life that are going to be good. Good. We love those certain, certain experiences like traveling. Wow, those are good, good experiences. Maybe, uh, maybe getting a bonus at, at work or, or getting a new job or having a very peaceful family, no problems in your family. Those are good things. And we love to accept those good things in, in, in the Christian life. You know, having a healthy body. We're so excited about this. But did you know in the eyes of God, having problems... Having a sickly body, having a problematic, you know, child or something. It's as important in the eyes of God. It's as valuable as the good things. In fact, in my own experience, the bad experience that I have in life are the things that help me grow. And made me stronger believer than all the, you know, the happy, happy, cold, happy things in life. 
And so we need to have a different perspective about the Christian life because we've been deceived by many churches and pastors thinking that sickness is a bad thing, that problems is a bad thing. Although these things are, are inherently bad because, you know, it's a product of sin, whether sickness or problems in the family, we, think these are in, we know that these are inherently bad because it's a result of sin. But the, th the amazing thing in the Christian life is that God is able to use this to transform you, help you grow. You know, let's give you my story, our recent story, my, my story, Rella and I. We've been praying so hard for her cousin to come to know the Lord for a long time. It's been years, I would say, probably ever since we started, we started you know, it's when, since we moved to the U.S., uh, we've been praying for her cousin. And just this past month, because of this situation that has happened, she was willing to listen to us. And for the first time, we were able to fully share the gospel with her cousin. And she, with all her heart, accepted Christ. And we did it all by Facebook Messenger. Just, just my Facebook Messenger. Just, just by not even the video. Just, just by audio. Uh, you know, we we talk, and she was very, very open to accept the Word of God, accept the gospel, because, you know, it 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 had to come to this point, where someone in her family, especially in her own family, her husband, had to go through cancer, just for her to start, you know, to open up her heart. Our prayer is that the husband is also going to come to know the Lord. And I'm praying right now. We're praying right now if I'm just going to go to California just to go there and share the gospel with him. And uh, that, I'm not sure yet, but hopefully we'll, we'll see. You'll hear, you'll find out tomorrow that I already went to Sacramento. And just to go there and share the gospel. That's all my plan to go there. Um, to be at the bedside. And so, but here's the thing. You don't have to wait for the time. You don't wait for the time when God is going to bring in difficult, difficult circumstances just for you to come to the Lord while you're healthy, while you're doing well. Surrender your life to Christ. Don't, 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 don't go up. Don't try to beat around the bush and say, oh, I'm going to just wait later on. No, I still have more time. There's still more things in my life. I'm still busy. I have my family, I have my children, I have some ambitions, some goals. God, you know, I'll just come to you, I'll just draw near to you later. Here's the problem, you don't know your time, you don't know what's going to happen to you. This may be your last hour, this may be the last day of your life. You might not have any opportunity later on. That's why when you're confronted with the gospel, when you're confronted with the word of God, with the truth, that's why the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. Today. Don't, don't wait for tomorrow. Because tomorrow might not come anymore. And you, and you see how uncertain life is. Uh, the situation with Rella's cousin. Only just three weeks ago, we just heard that she had, she had a stomach pain. And, for the, and he never really had any major health issues. He just had stomach pain, and they went to the ER. 
because it was painful. And he was not able to go home after that anymore. Next week, he was had fever. Then the next week, he had fever. Now he's in ICU and he's not anymore waking up. Not able to breathe anymore. And they cannot even do chemotherapy anymore because there's nothing they can do. It was way, way advanced already. And it has spread all over his body already. By the time they found out that he had a cancer. And he's still... He's still young. I would say I'm still young. He's my age, almost my age. He's still, he's still, and he has still young kids. So, but what's amazing for us Christians is that we know that life does not end in death. Amen? So regardless of what's going on in our life, even if it leads to death, that should not be a source of discouragement for a believer. Because that for us believers is just a transition to another life. And, 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 and the moment, at that point of death, you're going to wake up in eternity, in heaven. Of course, there's a process. I don't know how God works that out, but eventually you're going to end up in heaven. So, so there's really no downside to that to begin with. It's, the downside is leaving your family, of course. And being separated from everyone else who's alive, that's the only downside. But other than that, <laughs> it's going to be amazing in heaven. So that's why our job in this world, our greatest task in this world is simply to share the gospel. Just like what uh, uh, John just shared earlier, there's really nothing in this world you can bring with you, right? Your house, your property, your money, not even your own son or daughter, not even your husband or wife, they, you cannot bring anything. If they are not in Christ, you cannot bring them. That's why we need to share the gospel because that's the only way you can bring your daughter, your husband, your wife to heaven. That's the only way. That's why when somebody dies without the Lord Jesus in their life, without Christ in their life, it's game over for that person. It's game over. Even though, even if that person is a good person, even though the person is a religious person, even though that person, uh, you know, gave lots of lots of money to the poor, he's still going to go to hell. Because our salvation is only through Christ. It's only tr trusting in him. That's the only requirement that God has for us. Believe in my only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And today, I, I want to, you know, I, I, I was pretty much sick all week, except for a few days where I ended up walking around, Rel and I started walking around Boston, but, but I, I, I wasn't able to put together the sermon that I wanted. But I wanted to talk about the cross. And I'm just going to finish what I started I started last two Sundays then. There's one thing that Carlo mentioned last Sunday that I would like to go in detail today for the end of the message. And it is the cross. You know, we think of history, uh, when we think of history, we want to know exactly what history, what really happened in history. When it comes to the Bible, we really, really want to know what the Bible is really saying. We want to know how, what its meaning, its interpretation, that's really our goal. 
We want to know what is that one interpretation? What really happened? What was Paul really talking about in this passage? In the same thing with the cross, we need to understand when Jesus said, take up your cross. You know, uh, Josh uh, earlier just read this verse to us, and especially the, the first verse in Luke 9, 23, it says that if anyone wants to follow me, come after me, he must, he must take up his, deny himself, take up their cross daily and follow me. When Jesus said these words, whoever wants to be my disciple, by the way, that word disciple there, is synonymous to the word Christian. So this is not for special people, by the way. This is for everyone who is a Christian, who is a follower of Jesus Christ. By the way, the word Christian simply means a, a little Christ or a follower of Christ. So for everyone who follows Jesus, this is what God, Jesus requires. That you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So when you say you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, there must be have this kind there, there must be you should have this willingness in your heart to first of all deny yourself carry the cross and follow me now when you think of the cross most of us we easily think of this in a negative sense we always think of suffering which is true cross is a picture of suffering of course it's more than that it's more than that you know, when, when you look at the life of Jesus, how he, dealt, how he thought of the cross. You know, we have this thinking that Jesus was simply forced towards the cross. Dahil yung mga people were accusing him of blasphemy. You know, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were doing all these things against Jesus, trying to, you know, end his life. We think in our own thinking that Jesus was just a helpless person who was being pushed towards the cross or pressured towards the cross or being, you know, um, um, being um, carried by all these people, uh, what the desires of the people uh, towards the cross. But, but, but when we think of the cross for Jesus, it was his desire. It was his plan. In fact, it was the Father's plan for him. So... Uh, Let's look at this passage quickly that's found in Matthew 16. And, 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 and just to show you what Jesus think, thought of the cross for him. Uh, if you go to, to those a few verses prior to this passage, but on a different book in Matthew 16, this was the context of that word, take up your, of that passage, take up your cross. This was the context. Verse 21 of Matthew 16. From the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things in the hands of elders. You notice what Jesus is saying? He said, I must suffer. I must suffer in the hands of religious leaders or elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Think about this. This was many, many probably months or even more than a year or two before the actual event, before he was about to be crucified. And he said that I must be killed and on the third day raised to life. He knew that this is going to happen to him, that he's going to be crucified. He exactly knew that, that, that the leaders are going are gonna, to, you know, hurl, uh, give, uh, you know give false, make false accusations against him. The, the, the chief uh, the priests and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. 
And this is because of their, their accusations. Uh, this leads, leads Jesus towards his trial and crucifixion. But Jesus said, there's a specific word here that I want to show you. He said that he must be killed. So this is not something, you know, just as a consequence of people, you know, trying to kill him. You notice that this is Jesus' desire. That this is something I must do. This is something I must go through. And you know what Peter said in verse 22? Peter said, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You know what Peter said? Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Peter said, Lord, this should never happen to you. You should not be crucified, basically. That's what Peter was saying. How did Jesus reply to Peter? You, you, some of you probably familiar with this. How did Jesus reply to Peter? <coughs> Jesus got angry, right? <laughs> Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Imagine Jesus calling Peter in a way, although it wasn't Peter, it was Satan who was talking through Peter. Basically, Satan was using Peter at this point in time. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know this, that even at this point, Jesus disagreed with anything that will hinder him going to the cross he said get behind me satan you are blocking hindering the plan of god meaning the cross was was always has always been the plan of god from the beginning it was not something that just happened to jesus that's why a lot of people when they think of this situation that's not how you should think of him because he went to the cross with his own decision and will it was something that he was, this is my purpose. This is my mission. It was not because he was forced to go to the cross. It was him choosing to go to the cross. That's why when, 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 when some of the women were crying there during the crucifixion, Jesus said, don't cry for me. You cry for yourselves. There's nothing to cry for, in terms of what's happening in, to Jesus on the cross. It was not something that tayo maawa ba? Parang ganun ba? We often think, oh, kawawa naman si Jesus. No, maawa tayo sarili nani. Well, let's, let's have pity on ourselves, not on Jesus on the cross. Because for him, on the cross, that was his mission. And he was successful in fulfilling that mission. So you notice here, it was all part of God's plan. It was Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. And also he, he looked at the cross as his responsibility. It was voluntary. It was his responsibility. And of course it was a sacrifice because in his physical body he's going to suffer, suffer pain. Meaning he's going to do something that is not normal for him. You know, there's no pain in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. There's no sickness, no sorrow in heaven. But momentarily, Jesus is going to suffer all these things that he's not supposed to go through. It was a sacrifice for him. So if you think about the, of the cross as his, something that's voluntary, 
something that is a responsibility, your responsibility, or Jesus' responsibility. And it's a sacrifice, meaning something that you don't normally do. Then go to verse 24 in that passage. You know what, next thing, what, Jesus, what did Jesus say? After saying these things about his crucifixion, his upcoming crucifixion, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow me. You know, it's connected. That's when he said those words. It was after saying that I'm going to go to the cross because that's God's mission for me, that's the purpose for me. I'm willing, to do, I'm willing to do this because for the sake of the salvation of humanity, this is my mission, this is my purpose. Now he says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a believer, you want to become a Christian, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, you might be wondering, oh, I thought salvation is just by faith in Christ. That's true. Salvation is not by works. You know, no one gets saved by, by religion, right? I hope you understand that already, that no one can go to heaven through religion. No one can go to heaven. No one gets saved through being a good person. We've been talking about this all the time in this church. Because none of our works, none of the things we do in life, really, really amounts to anything before God. Carlo tried to explain to me the filthy rag illustration. I don't want to mention it here, but it's filthier than I, I imagine. The Bible tells us that, tells us that the filthy rag is really, really filthy. And, and you know, uh, that's how God looks at the good things we do. All the, th the good things we do in life, in the eyes of God, it's filthy rags. And when Carlo explains to you what filthy rag is, it's even worse. <laughs> it's really filthy. <laughs> really, really filthy. Meaning, meaning, we cannot really rely on our goodness. We cannot rely on our religiosity. That's why our salvation is simply by faith in Christ. We just simply have to trust Him and in nothing else. Because what happens if you trust, try to trust Jesus, but you add religion, you add good works, you add all these other things, it's going to forfeit this. This, it's going to nullify your trust in Jesus because what happens is you're not really trusting in him. You're not fully trusting in him. You're basically trusting in these other things. You're adding all these things to your trust in Christ. Now, when, when Jesus says deny yourself, what he's saying is that you need to turn away from these things that doesn't give you life, that doesn't give you salvation. You know, the things that you thought, okay, I'm, I'm born in this religion. I have to live by this religion and die in this religion. You have to deny that. You have to turn away from that. You say, oh, I'm a good person. I accomplish all these things in life. God, why don't you recognize all the things that I've accomplished in life? You need to deny that. In fact, Paul, he was a Pharisee. He had a lot of accomplishments, religious accomplishments. In fact, none of you probably can say what Paul said about himself. He said, when it comes to the law, he was flawless. You know, Paul said this. He was very confident in saying that when it comes to obeying the Ten Commandments, obeying the 600 plus laws of the Old Testament, he said, I was flawless. Wow, he was able to say that. But you know what he said? My accomplishment, my being flawless in obeying the Ten Commandments, he said, those were rubbish. Basura. Rubbish. And think of your own life. You think we're good people, right? But 
all the good things we do are flaw, are rubbish before God. And so that's why we, the only thing that God requires is to trust him. And, and that's why when Jesus said, deny yourself, don't trust in anything other than him. And he said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself also is denying your selfish desires, selfish ambitions. You know, the things that you really wanted for yourself. And so when you come to follow Christ, there must be a willingness on your part to let go of those things. And follow him. Now, taking up the cross, we're going to talk about the positive side. And remember last week, I gave you the sheet and uh, there's, there, should be a cop, there should be copies I gave all of you this copy, uh, but there's a few copies on those tables. So, so the cross is, number one, voluntary. It is a responsibility. It is a sacrifice. But, but there's the promise here. In verse 25, it says, he says here in Matthew 16, 25, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, world yet forfeit their own soul? Think about this. Whatever you're trying to accomplish in this life, if it's apart from Christ, it's, it's going to end nowhere. It's going to end in nothing if your soul doesn't belong to God. What, does, what good will it be if you gain the whole world, if you have a million dollars or a billion dollars, if you have a nice house, if you have a very nice career, you have a great, great family or something, something amazing in this life, but if your soul doesn't belong to the Lord, what use is it to gain the whole world? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with all his angels, talking about second coming. He will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste that before the Son of Man, Son, Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Something we might talk about later on. So, what does it mean to carry the cross then? It's not, it's not all negative. Because we often think of the negative side of the cross, the, the sacrificial side of the cross, which is true. Because it's something that is not normal for you. But I want to give you four verses that is written on the sheet. Because when Jesus said, Take a, if you want to become his disciples in, in Luke chapter 9, Verse 13, if you want to become his disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross. Okay, so what does it mean to become a disciple then? And taking up your cross. Now let me just give you those four verses that we talked about last week. First one, John 8, 31 to 32. Jim, can you just show that verse? John 8, 31 to 32. Okay. John 8, 31 to 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I'm, I know those, some of those verses, that second part is very, probably very probably familiar to you. 
uh, you will know the truth and set, truth will set you free. But if you look at this passage, what is this passage talking about? It's talking about holding on to the, the word of God. So if you want to become a disciple of Christ, you must hold on to the word of God. Hold on to the word of God. First, the second one, uh, uh, John fifteen seven. I, I want you to see the pattern here. If you remain in me and my words remain in, in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to it will be done to you. So he's again talking about being a disciple here. By the way, this passage is talking about being a disciple of Christ. And a disciple of Christ holds on or remain. By the way, the word remain here also means the same meaning. Uh, another, another word for that is hold on to continue. So he's talking about holding on or remaining in his word. And he says, ask whatever you wish, I will be given to you. So the second thing that Jesus is talking about here, if you want to become his disciples... Hold on to prayer. Because talking about asking, not just holding on to the word of God, but also holding on to prayer. Let's move on. John 13, 34 to 35. What does it say? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's talking about the body of Christ. Because this is talking to the believers there, that the, these 12 disciples. So this is talking to you here as a church. This is not for somebody outside the church. Okay? This is very specific. This is talking to people within the body of believers. So Jesus is saying that this is the commandment I give you, that you must love one another in this church or in, in, the, in the body of Christ. In, and you are my disciples. This is the proof that you are my disciples. Everyone will know. Others will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we, we see seen three things. So we've seen see three things. One, you hold on to the word of God. You hold on to prayer. You hold on to the fellowship. You hold on to the body of Christ, the, the church, the, the believers here. And lastly, in John 15, 8, it says here, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruits, showing yourself to be my disciples. Fruit-bearing of course, most of the, mostly in the Bible, it talks about witnessing. It's talking about sharing your faith. It's talking about winning souls for Christ, winning other people to Christ. So this is holding on to witnessing. Holding on to witnessing. Sharing your faith with others outside the church. Now, this is, this is very important because this is where a lot of Christians stumble. We expect a lot of things from God. You know, we expect God to heal our marriages. We expect God to give us strength over sin. We expect God to, to, to help us have the wisdom to deal with whatever challenges we face. And we pray and we ask God. But, but what you find out in scripture is that God has certain things that he wants you to do consistently daily faithfully because he said um, remember that passage that we just read John 15 5 last week if you remain in me and my words uh, if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from you apart from me you can do nothing John 15 5 it's on that sheet there he says that 
for you to bear fruit, for you to be able to accomplish anything worthwhile for God, you need to remain in him. You need to hold on to him. Okay? A lot of us, we want this here. We want the fruit, but we're not willing to remain in him to carry the cross, basically. The task of carrying the cross is the act of remaining in Christ. And it's a task that you have to do on a daily basis. That's why when Jesus said, carry your cross, he said, carry your cross daily. For many of us, some people might think, okay, I need to be crucified. You know, you buy a nail at Home Depot, sterilize the nail and crucify yourself. We think of it, cross as this. But the only rightful person who needs to be crucified, who, who, who's, who's worthy to, to pay for our sins is Jesus. It's only Jesus that was crucified, not us. We're, we're, technically, we're, we cannot be crucified for our own sins. We cannot be crucified for our own sins or for someone else's sin. That's why we, we can never be crucified the way Jesus was crucified because we can never pay for sin, right? So Jesus is not talking about you being physically crucified here. In fact, he says carry your cross daily. So it's something, because if you crucify yourself, you're going to be dead, right? How can you do it every day? <laughs> it's not something you can do every day. I'm going to crucify myself today. Maybe later at 6 in the morning. Or 6 the next day, in the 6 in the morning, I'm going to be crucified again. No, it's not talking about missing. So you understand that this is not really physical crucifixion. It is something that you voluntarily do. It is a responsibility that you're supposed to do. And it's a small sacrifice compared to the sacrifice of Christ. And so it goes back to what we're talking now. That for you to be able to experience the fruit, if you look at this, the other column here on the right side, these are the fruit of the sacrifice that you're going to give. The you, when you begin to, to hold on to the cross, by hold on to carry your cross, when, by, by remaining in his word, by remaining in prayer, by remaining in fellowship, by remaining in witness, you will see this fruit. And, and what happens to you when you begin to carry your cross, there's going to be increased faith. There's going to be peace and joy in your life. You're able to overcome sin. You're, you have the confidence to share your faith. You have spiritual growth. Your prayers are going to be answered. These are all the promises. But these are all fruit. These are all result of, 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 of carrying the cross. Um, a strength. Enjoy during trials, good success in what you do. Uh, that's based on Psalm 1-3. Uh, you have fullness of life. You're able to overcome temptation. These are all the blessing, the outcome, the fruit of carrying the cross. Sadly, many Christians, they want all this. They want to experience the victory in Christ. Of course, we want that. But they're not willing to do what Jesus requires. Because the Lord has certain requirements for us. Because being a Christian is not just thinking, okay, I'm going to be okay as a Christian, uh, with, you know, but without being committed to Christ. You're, gonna be, you're not going to be growing spiritually if you're not committed to Christ and committed to His commands. And so what does it mean to remain in Christ? Of course, it's all there. Uh, 
What does it mean to remain in his word? Read his word, study his word, memorize his word, meditate on his word, listen. Remain in prayer is spending time in prayer in private, spending time in church, prayer. Meaning all the kinds of prayer that you can, you can that's commanded in scripture. But one of the two aspects that a lot of Christians probably are not very consistent, fellowship. How consistent are we in fellowship? That is as important as the other two as well. That we are to faithfully meet with other believers. We are to worship together with other believers. We need to teach one another. We need to train other believers, especially younger believers in faith. We need to use our talents and gifts to serve God. Uh, we need to support the church financially. That's one of the commands in 2 Corinthians 9. We are to break bread together, love one another, serve one another, pray together, encourage one another, carry one another's burden, forgive one another. Being in fellowship, close fellowship with other Christians is part of carrying the cross. And of course, sharing your faith. It says here, you need to hold, know the gospel. You need to be prepared to share the gospel. You need to pray for the salvation of those who are lost. You know, if you've been a believer for a long time, you should begin praying also for other people to know Christ, to know the Lord. If you're not at this point yet in your life where you're sharing the gospel with other people or you're discipling someone else, you've been a stagnant Christian for a long, 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 long time. Because if you're not very bearing fruit, you're not growing. It's just a sign that you're not growing as a Christian. And that's why we, this is what Jesus requires for us. If you want to grow healthy in your Christian walk, all these things must be happening in your life. It's not because we are saved by, by works. This is not for salvation, by the way. This is not to take you to heaven. Our salvation is simply by faith in Christ. But this is so that God can use you. God can accomplish his work to you. That his, his will will be accomplished in your life. And there's a lot of blessing. A lot of blessing. When we begin to carry the cross. So, encourage you. This is not a difficult burden. I know, I know you think that this is difficult. The only difficult part here is to put that in your schedule. <laughs> this, but, but this is something that we can do. You know, reading the Bible at least 15 minutes a day, that's a good start. Studying the Bible with your life group, that's a good start. Right? Coming to church faithfully on Sunday to listen to the sermon or worship, that's a good start. Then maybe reading, doing Bible study personally, like some of you, I encourage you to use a commentary, a concordance, you know, the tools needed for Bible study, personal Bible study. It's a good start. Then maybe praying for everyone in the church, for yourself, for your family every day, that's also a good thing. So begin to do these things consistently. And these are things that we do to hold on, hold on to Christ. And as for the suffering that we go through in life, if you're holding on to Christ, I, I want to give you this last verse before I close my message. First Peter 3, 13 to 15. 
You know, when we begin to serve Christ and follow Him, you know, many, there's this mindset among Christians that if I'm a Christian, my life will less, have less problems. I'm going to have less issues in life. You know that that's not entirely accurate because the Bible doesn't promise us, God doesn't promise a Christian that your life is going to be problem-free. There's no promise in the Bible that as a Christian, you're going to have, you're going to have no, you're going to, you know, all their problems are going to disappear. There's no, prob- there's no promise for that. In fact, sometimes as believers, you might go through more problems than non-Christians. It's true. And that's true for them back in, in the first century. Just look at Peter here. This is what Peter said. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threat nor be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You're familiar with the second verse. Carlo is smiling. That was our key verse, one of our key verses during our camp. But prior to that verse, the context of that verse was talking about suffering and persecution. And these Christians were suffering. There was so much suffering that they're going through because of their faith in Christ. But you know what, what Peter was telling them? That even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Meaning, the suffering that we're experiencing, what Bible saying, that's a blessing. Especially, of course, suffering that is related to to, to, to righteousness, you know, doing what is right. Or if you're going through some suffering, uh, it's not because of some bad decision or, you know, sinful decisions that you made. But suffering for what is, while doing what is right, it's a blessing. And do not fear, do not be frightened. Of course, God is with you as you suffer. Because this kinds of suffering transforms us, transforms us. And for me, I'm learning to, beginning to learn to thank God even for the suffering that we go through. I go through. Because I know that God loves me. Because whenever you suffer because of your faith, it's evidence that God loves you. That's what the Bible tells us. What father, what kind of father Uh, who does not discipline his own child. You know, the reason why God allows suffering in our life, because it's his way of perfecting us. And if he's not allowing us, he doesn't bring us to perfection, it's parang pinapabayaan lang tayo ng Panginoon. Meaning he's involved in our lives, involved directly with our lives. And so even if the cross is something that's not normal for you, something that's beyond what you can do on a daily basis. Ask God for strength. Lord, help me carry the cross, Lord, to do the responsibilities that you called me to do, Lord, on a day-to-day basis. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, help me carry the cross, Lord. Help me, Lord, to relish in your word, Lord, every day. To hold on to your teachings, Lord Jesus. Because it is through this that I'm able to overcome sin. 
It is through this that I'm able to gain the wisdom needed to deal with every challenge in life I face. Lord, help me also to hold on to prayer, Lord. Lord, we want your power at work in every area of our lives, Lord. Lord, we want your, your power at work, oh God, in the challenges that we face, Lord, whether at home or at work, oh God. Lord, Lord, we pray also that we'll be faithful to hold on, O oh God, to, your, to the fellowship of believers, Lord. Because it's through this, O oh God, that we are encouraged. Through the fellowship, O oh God, that we grow also in our faith, Lord, in you. Lord, that this is what you commanded us to do, Lord. Lord, help us to hold on also to, to witnessing, O oh God, that we are not here for ourselves only, Lord. We don't live our lives for the sake of our own selves to satisfy our own longings, our own desires, Lord. We are here for the sake of others as well, Lord. And for, for other people to come to know you, for other people, oh God, to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why you give us a life, longer life, oh God, and blessing in this life so we can be, this can be used for your glory, Lord. This can be used to serve others, oh God. So, Lord, help us to begin to think like this every day, Lord God. That we are commit, that we'll be committed to your word, oh God. We'll be committed to prayer, Lord. We'll be committed to the fellowship of believers, oh God, the church, Lord. That we'll be committed, Lord God, to, to, to serving others, to giving ourselves for the lives of others, oh God. To be witnesses, Lord. To be bearers of the good news, oh God, of the gospel, Lord. And in doing this, Lord God, you promise, oh God, that we will overcome sin. You'll, you promise, oh God, that we'll be able to have the strength to deal with every trial that we face, oh God. You promise, oh God, that we'll be able to accomplish the purposes that you planned for us, Lord. A, a life that's satisfied, a life that is full, oh God. That all our longings are, are being filled and satisfied by you, Lord. Lord, if there's someone here who has not surrendered their life to Christ, that you have, you have not committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, that to you, Jesus is just a religion. To you, Jesus is someone who is a distant person that you don't know about. That he's, he's just, he's someone that's kind of unknown to you. Let me tell you today that Jesus loves you that He cares for you. That even though how dark your sin is, how, how terrible the sins that you've committed in your life, He said He promised to forgive you. And in fact, he, said, he gave His life for you to pay for the sins that you have committed. And all He requires of you is to trust Him. To trust Him for your salvation, that He paid for your sins on the cross. You're coming to him with a repentant heart, Lord, asking him, Jesus, I ask you to forgive all my sins. Cleanse me of all my sins. And thank you for paying for my sins on that cross. And not only that, this is another thing that Jesus also requires of you, is requires you to follow him, to trust him as your Lord and Savior. Follow him as your Lord. Because he is God. He is God. And 
He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and and He is someone that He deserves our worship, our allegiance. So, if you haven't committed your life to Christ and pledged your heart to Him, I want you to just talk to Him. Talk to Him. Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says, you will be saved. You will be saved. Salvation is something you can know today, this very moment. It's not something you have to figure out in the future. You can know today, this very moment. But but this is what the Lord requires, that you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. That you believe in your heart that He is Lord, that He is the Son of God, that He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That He died for your sins, shed His blood on the cross for your sake. You may be saved. Talk to Him. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to You, Lord. I give my life to You. I never really committed my life to you in the past in this way. But today, Lord, this afternoon, I give my life to you, Lord. Thank you for dying for my sins, Lord. Forgive me for all the sins that I have committed. Cleanse my heart. And I entrust my heart to you and my life to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Carry the cross that you want me to carry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. In your name we pray.